you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Welcome, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen. And my guest today is Joe Bakhti. And Joe has an interesting background, um, and he's going to tell us a little bit about how he ended up where he is now and, and even more about what he's doing. Joe, I will pass it over to you. Yeah, thanks, Susan. Great to be here. Um, I'm Joe Bakhti. I'm a founder of something called Serenity, um, and Serenity is something that we develop to uh, reduce the risk of death of our members in the most significant way medically possible today. And uh, the way we do that is early detection of most diseases, especially the top causes of death that are mostly the chronic diseases, from mm-hmm. cancer to cardiovascular, so that's stroke and heart disease, um, to uh, you know, neurodegenerative diseases, Alzheimer, Parkinson's, but also very important metabolic diseases that includes diabetes, um, insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome, every, this whole spectrum of wow. problems. And uh, yeah, we Serenity basically came out of my work at Quantine. So I also founded Quantine, which is a genomics company, and our mission there mm-hmm. was. We started that back in UC Berkeley in 2015. Our mission there was to develop the first blood test that detects multiple cancers early stage in the blood. Mm-hmm. And maybe you've heard of these new tests. So that became very clear back in 2015 that there's a pathway to make this happen. Watching was one of the leading companies doing this, or still is. It was an interesting journey. It was you know, full of great successes scientifically and medically, not so great on the business side for everyone involved. Um, I mean, Quantum is still here, but uh, there were many competitors in the space. Everyone understood now is the time to do this. And all of us ran into this big problem called the healthcare system, where you have this amazing thing that you invent something that is absolutely life-saving. And then the entire insurance system and Medicare doesn't like it. Not the FDA. The FDA is like the least problem. It's really the payers who say like, well, what are, what are we dealing with here? We have a preventative test that could be game-changing in cancer and would be used by the entire population over 40 or something. That's horrible because we don't have the money to pay for it. We don't care if everyone dies or not. That There's just no money. No one says that in public, but that's you can feel the resistance. And so you know, the way to handle that in the system is to say, well, we need more data. Every time people say they need more data when the data is pretty clear, there's just this code for we don't want to pay for this thing. Can we push that down? Can we kick the can down the road? Mm -hmm. If you can force us paying for it, which we can probably based on the data, then please force us in 20 years, not now. And so basically that's what's happening on these liquid biopsies and all our competitors on the same problem, right? And they're trying to like wiggle it down to, can we maybe only detect colon cancer in the blood and leave the rest out because it would be cheaper. Um, So that's happening. So that's coming faster, but also basically this whole technology is now being used for the one case where it's probably the least important because in colon cancer, you have good early 
has the blood test still would move the needle a lot but what about kidney cancer liver cancer leukemia lymphoma like the whole spectrum of other cancers that are not being screened for that's where it would shine the most but it's also the most complicated to get approval for that to get reimbursement for that so the bottom line is that was an interesting operation and what we learned is the only way to make the future of medicine happen is through self-payers patient have to pay out of pocket for it or employers or someone who's not an insurance company because in preventative care, you have kind of a Goldilocks moment for self-payers because um, it makes a lot of sense for a patient. The patient has the biggest interest of not getting sick, whereas the insurance company really doesn't care um, because of how long you stay with an insurance. So if they, right. in average, you stay three years, why would I care if you get sick in four years? Like, I don't care, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very bad. Yeah. And so there is no real incentive to pay for preventative care if you really look at the facts behind the scenes. But for the patient, it makes a ton of sense. But you rather spend less money and to not even get sick than more money when you get sick. And the mindset of patients also is changing a lot. They understand more and more, okay, I can't just trust my insurance company to take care of me. Yeah. <laughs> or even Medicare. I mean, they also have other problems. So, oh, yeah. You know, they, I mean, you can tell that they're nickel and diming everyone wherever they can. So obviously. So, you know, and what we saw is basically this opportunity of bringing the future of healthcare and medicine directly to patients say, okay, let's strike a deal. You pay me some money and I keep you happy and alive. That should be a reasonable deal. And, and we see that actually, yeah, people, you know, they think it's a reasonable offer at least. And then it's all about mm -hmm. the details. And I think that's where the future of medicine is being decided. It's with proactive consumers and maybe employers who want to keep their employees healthy because they're not as nickel and dimey as the insurance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's how we invented Serenity that goes beyond just blood-based cancer detection into detecting all disease categories. Um, not just through blood tests, but through all modalities that are important. So that is mostly genetics. It's a certain type of you know, certain combination of blood tests and it's full body imaging. So full body analysis, where we basically investigate all the organ systems from head to pelvis in mm. what some of the most advanced MRI systems. And so then you have, you get basically visual data on all your organ systems, on your spine, muscular, skeletal conditions too. And then you get genetics and you get blood testing and you get maybe most importantly, what I call medical intelligence, which are new cloud and AI-based systems that we use to actually make sense of this entire flood of data. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. and, uh, besides the cost issue for insurance, the second big issue this doesn't happen in medicine is the medical intelligence piece, where if you go to your primary care doc and throw a full body MRI, a high-resolution liquid biopsy, like quantines, full genetics, and all kinds of data at them, they just don't, don't even know what to do with it. So no. it's just too much. I mean, they can sit there for a week and study all this data. So you need very sophisticated medical intelligence systems. That uh -huh. And I think that might be the centerpiece of serenity uh, in terms of why we can deliver that at reasonable costs. And then, then you're off to the races. I think once you wrap your head around this new paradigm of early detection of all major disease categories, Medical outcomes are very obvious, right? So you know this in cancer, you know in cardiovascular and diabetes. Of course, all of, most of these things are reversible or curable at early stage, even cancer. Mm. Just look at the statistics. For stage one breast cancer, 99% survival rates. At stage four, 9%. So 
of course, early detection is key. And so with these systems, the vision of the future is very clear. Do it once a year and you should be dramatically safer than mm -hmm. before. So it's all about mm -hmm. simplifying the message. Do it once a year and you're fine. And then bringing down the cost so people can ex ex access it. And then over time, over decades, you will generate enough data to create a forcing function for Medicare and the other guys. Uh, okay. It's going to take a long time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I would think that most of the normal doctors, in other words, not the specialists and stuff like that, would be very welcoming of that degree of information for them. Well, Is that not necessarily true? <laughs> it's really, Is it too much for them? It really depends what doctor you are talking about, right? So, okay. Because unfortunately, the system has created a problem for doctors that is enormous. And that problem is that doctors don't, you know, they don't have time, they don't get paid enough, and they're being tortured with bureaucracy. So 50% of the mm -hmm. doctor's time is just bureaucracy, which is ridiculous. And so a normal doctor, let's say Kaiser Permanente or something, they are forced into that system and they simply don't have time. And once doctors don't have time to deal with their patients, they don't like what we're doing because we're just creating more, more time. More yeah, time, time hog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so they they tend to not like it because when you get some results from Serenity, you need to take the time. You need to take an hour to talk to our physicians. You need to wrap your head around this new system. Uh, so the it. people who like it are mostly concierge dogs. So concierge oh, okay. dogs. Every doctor who's in the business to impress their patients with superior medical care is a big fan. Every doctor who's in the business to get the patient out of the office, ASAP, is, hates it. So that's really what's going on, right? So either your doctor mm -hmm. really needs to show to their patients that they are doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. Obviously love what you're doing and their partner. But then there's a big chunk of doctors who just wants to get out of their office and they don't like it because yeah. we are making their life harder. Yeah. So how we kind of stratify the two types of primary care doctors. And it's not to blame anyone, by the way. I mean, what are you going to do? No. If you, I mean, they are it's people. numbers. Exactly. It's all numbers. But there are still yeah. like thousands or tens of thousands of doctors who fall in the first category. Right? There are many yeah. doctors who are in the business of delivering superior care to their patients. Of course, a small fraction of all doctors, but still 5% or mm -hmm. something. It's still mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and, and there are some even insurance companies that are on a little higher level, right? Yeah, they're trying to, that, also, I mean, mostly innovative insurance companies, smaller insurance companies, like everyone, everyone who is trying to make medicine better and impress patients with superior care is our friend. And everyone mm -hmm. who's about to get these patients out and don't spend money on them is not our friend. So that's kind of how it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, at some level, I feel kind of sorry for the doctors that are working at some place like Kaiser and other, you know, um, and I can say that because that's where I go. So I know I have firsthand advice, firsthand experience. Um, but a lot of them went to medical school because they really did want to help people. And then they get in this in this squeeze where they're still trying to help people. But, you know, they can only do it within this box that's there. It's all like a little bit of a... So every time you 
disconnect in a system the interests of the provider and the, the client yeah. many problems right this is like central planning problems you suddenly have a third party involved who plans your life and the physician's life who has no interest in either one and mm -hmm. That's why, you know, in the end, free markets turn out to be more effective in nearly all areas, because if I do a business and you want something from me and I ask you for a price, you ask me for a product, we have a deal, right? That's and right. if you don't like the yep. deal, you want to walk away and say, these people are stupid, I'm not going to talk to them. So that puts a lot of responsibility, accountability on everyone. Once, once you have a third party involved, it all goes downhill. And yep. Of course, in medicine and healthcare, there are reasons why we need it. Because what if you can't pay? What if you are like incapacitated? So all these things in medicine. So in acute and reactive care, what are you going to do if you have an accident? You're unconscious. You can't negotiate prices, right? So that's very complicated. But so I'm not going to say I have the solution for all healthcare problems. Mm -hmm. But then you see where the real life-saving action comes in in medicine. Where most of the lives can be saved nowadays. It's all in prevention and early detection. Yes, and absolutely. the early detection prevention is there. You can have free market mechanisms because you're in full conscience. You're healthy when you make these. Uh -huh. You're not in yeah. a incapacitated like situation. And so that's why I believe free market systems can actually work in medicine in prevention and detection mm -hmm. because everyone is in full power, right? And uh, that's actually where where The money is for the system to reduce costs, where health is for the patient, and where real technology can be deployed that's not being deployed. So that's why I love that space. Mm -hmm. so I want to bash yeah. the downstream medicine. Someone has to take care of acute cases. Um, yeah. But it's better to make sure you're not you're not even becoming an acute case. Right. 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 And I and I think that over time that a lot of the large healthcare providers use the word loosely, um, will start to see that it is price effective to your use your guys' product because overall it's saving them from having to take care of and spend the money yeah, know, they, a, a year or even two years down the line. If they're incentivized like that, yes. So if they, yeah. if they would be in charge of you also in two or three or four years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Medicare is probably they have other problems, but they have a long-term horizon. That's the big advantage of CMS. Um, yes. That's why private and, and getting longer. Yes, that's the problem. That's why private insurance is probably the the last domino to to fall. Actually, yeah. center Medicare services are more likely to embrace something like this because mm -hmm. they have long-term optimization problem but then the reality of course is that government bureaucrats are also not the most forward-thinking visionaries right because they are also under pressure they're, they're operating a system that might be incentivized in the long run the system but the people in the system are not because you know how it is i don't want to talk politics too much but if you're a trump administrator and then biden wins and then trump wins again or whoever you get like pushed back, like you're just out. So you are, your actual horizon is just now, right? If you're in charge of Medicare, you, you just want to make your president happy for now. And you know he's not going to be there for too long. So when I pitch you something, would you take some political risk right now so people mm -hmm. can get in the system benefits in 10 years? The real answer is, of course, of course not. Why would I? Like my career is now and in the next. So unfortunately, oh, yeah. long-term arguments are always weak for, for actual yeah. Yep, yep, agree, agree. And the next thing with 
with that, with Medicare and politics, is that there is a particular party, political party, of whom you were just talking, who want to get rid of Medicare, period. Yeah, they are all they're not. They, right. They don't, they're not, they don't want to talk about whether it's going to be more or less expensive if they get this thing, because they don't want to provide any of it, even though we all paid for it for yeah, home, I mean, you know, you're, working lives. Once you're in politics, <laughs> I'm not saying nothing can get done in politics, but you're dealing with completely different mechanics, right? Then it's about media and influence and all kinds of stuff. So that's this entire mess. That's yeah. why smart economists always have said free markets work the best because ideally you have a provider and a customer, they strike a deal and we, they That's make you right. happy or not. And that creates yeah. that level of accountability. Then we don't need to you know, beg insurance companies or the government or some politicians right. for us who's not even doing it and who's not, I mean, it's just bad. Mm-hmm. So. That's why I think yeah. that's what I, my message is also to consumers or patients in general. Yeah. We need to understand that no one has a higher interest in your life than yourself. And so you should really own that problem and not trust anyone to just you know, you, you. You deal with your doctor or your provider, like mm-hmm. his partner, like when you buy a car, you're not mm-hmm. going to believe the government to tell you what car is best for you but you go to bmw and to ford or whoever you go to and then you ask right. them hear their little pitch yeah. and make up your mind and say well bmw is more expensive but they say they're better what about ford and then you compare it and then you make yeah yeah you yeah exactly insurance company who pays for your car right not a good idea right right no, I agree. I agree. They, yeah, the insurance and the insurance company doesn't really want to tell you that, anyways. They just say, "Tell us what you bought, and we'll insure it." <laughs> yeah, that's always my example for. And I know, like you know, normally I talk more about the medical piece of it, but it's important uh-huh. to understand these incentives. And I always, when it comes to health insurance, just imagine that system in any other area of your life. Imagine you had car buying insurance, not the car insurance, like. Right. that basically buys your cars and the insurance says well you pay me a thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. and you get three cars it's amazing but i determine what car you get that's healthcare. okay why would you pay them one thousand a month so they decide what car you get and right. you would get the same value as paying one thousand a month which is a lot of money for a car you would get a very fancy you get a tesla they would probably give you something much lower and say that's the best we determine that's the best why would right. you trust them to do a good job in it or another example is food insurance or like clothing insurance so you pay me 500 Mm -hmm. bucks a month and i give you your clothes but i determine what you wear like that makes no sense what if i don't like it and i don't care what your size is i'm just going to give you what i have on the rack (laughs) of course i tell you i care but i promise you all kinds of great things but then you get it and it's like why does it not fit me like, well, we determine it's the best yeah. fit. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you can, yeah. you know, then you have to negotiate with them and switch the insurance. Like there's a better insurance that says, I pay them 500, they get me better clothes. This just makes no sense. You should just keep your money and buy your clothes. Yeah. So, yeah. And the only, yeah, you're right. You know, the only, the only reason to, to have this clothing insurance would be if you can't buy clothes for whatever reason. If you're like, I don't know, if you don't have access to it or if you don't understand clothes or whatever. And right. That, right. Really no or you don't have any money. Exactly. So then, yeah. mean, the, more, the more people understand these economics behind it, the more everything becomes very clear what's going on in healthcare. Oh yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And then imagine you're, you imagine you're the t-shirt producer or the jacket producer, right? Imagine you're the doctor. These are the doctors, and they 
the t-shirt producer doesn't go to you they don't do research on what you what consumers want yeah. no now they have to do research what insurance companies want because the insurance companies are the buyers and the insurance companies like i only want white t-shirts with a v-neck whatever because yeah. that's great and then both are unhappy then the suppliers all starting producing white v-necks what if you want purple or something and the same is true for doctors, right? They then listen to their administrators and the administrators don't ask the patients what they want. They ask the insurance companies what they want because they pay for it. And then the, suddenly the doctors have to get approval by the insurance for every move they make. Mm -hmm. So they say, like, I want to give this patient this kind of diagnostic downstream procedure. Yeah. The insurance says, no, it's not paid for. Good luck getting that the patient. And then you have a giant mess. So we are all in the business removing the mess by... Uh -huh reducing costs because mm -hmm. we can streamline it now and then going directly to the patient we we'll deal with the patient say okay we keep you alive at a much higher rate than you normally would you know be kept alive and you pay us you know 399 a month for example and then we mm -hmm. do all these preventative care uh, diagnostics and you know detect more diseases early stage and give you better doctor who actually know the stuff and how to deal with it so that's the basic premise of serenity Okay. Okay. But it's not, it is just for, for what you're providing, right? You're not providing the whole with yeah, we're, we're not medical providing. insurance. It's a service. And then depending on what comes out of it, we still have to take it back to the, to our yeah. doctors in order to yes. get an operating room or whatever it else is exactly. that we need. I mean, it's the reality is we have a good area covered in preventive care, right. but of course once yeah. they're findings and there need to be some downstream like surgery or of course cancer right. treatment. We are not in that business, but we are in the business right. of staying with you and mm. do that. And uh, okay. we a precision medicine company that might be also very helpful. So we can uh -huh. a okay. on the cancer treatment, for example, and tell you if that's actually the right treatment and things mm -hmm. like that. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's actually a huge <clears throat> rather than just saying oh okay here's your results go take it to your doctor <clears throat> yeah that's exactly what we didn't want to do it's a membership so you're still with us the whole year okay but you're okay. getting this initial annual checkup but once you have <clears throat> then it becomes collaborative right and then we of course work with primary care and specialists that to it. happen but we stick we stay with our patients throughout this whole process uh -huh. which, is, which turns out to be very important because it's the next thing you have something and you get specialist uh, treatment the problem for patients is in many instances the specialists are very good right they do everything right but what if one of them is not good and what if one of them is maybe for example the combination of neurodegenerative and oncology cases you have an oncologist mm -hmm. and you have a neurologist and then they're not talking to each other because one treats parkinson's and one treats breast cancer maybe you have both well right. How do you tie together these things? Who compares the medications? Who's in charge of making uh, sure you're Well, theoretically, your primary care doctor, but then they are in over their head. So mm -hmm. that's exactly where problems also occur, even if you have good specialists. And how do you know that you have good specialists? So you need kind of this double check. That's what Serenity provides. And we start with the annual preventative care, but you want to always have someone at your side who understands all these things. And that's the power of our medical intelligence unit that we understand much more much broader mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no and that and that it does make sense as well because they can then talk the same language as your doctor exactly yeah i mean as a patient you can't do these things obviously mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you don't want the patient going and telling, going, taking the information to their doctor and saying, you know, here it is. And they told me to say da 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 right? I mean, exactly. Not going to go over well. <laughs> so, well, that's interesting. Okay. So it, is it already out there? Is it already available? What, um, where are you in the process? Yeah. We are, yeah. It is fully available at getserenity.life and you okay. can check it out there. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll put that up on the, in the show notes and people can, <clears throat> can go there to, to get the link. Yep. In fact, it just took me there, which is not what I wanted to do. Okie dokie. Oh, it just brought that up. Okay. Okay. Unfortunately, when I, I'll have, I'll, I'll copy that before I close this thing. <laughs> Cause then the chat goes away, but that's okay. I think I can remember that. Get serenity.life. So, so that's, that's very intriguing, the whole idea of it. I mean, it sounds, it sounds great. I'll, um, I'll have to watch your progress and see. Um, I don't trust all the outside forces. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's always my, my mantra, right? You need people who are at least committed to helping you and the deal behind it needs to be a good deal, right? It needs to be, you know, you pay us, we provide service to you and that's it. There are no other forces in here. And, uh, mm-hmm. I think more and more people actually wise up to this whole situation. It's not a big secret anymore that something is wrong, but like very fundamentally wrong uh, on the incentive level. And mm-hmm. now because of the latest advancements in AI and in genomics and in imaging, we now are at the precipice of really absolutely transforming medicine in terms of what it can do. And we mm. need to, so we are on this crazy innovation trajectory now, specifically with AI, where we can just do so much more per doctor or per specialist we have. And that brings down prices and increases the power, the medical power we can, you know, uh, employ to defeat disease. And if there was ever a time where it makes sense to start spending your own money on preventive care, it's now because you get very exponential returns. And you know, for us as a company, it's just important to live up to the trust our patients put into us, deliver mm-hmm. results and, and showcase results, right? So for patients who want to share their story or anonymize to explain to people what, what's happening here. I mean, we have so many mm-hmm. stories and often because we have such a comprehensive understanding of your body, once you go through serenity, there are often findings that you people didn't come up, come in for. Like, for example, we just had a case that came in for more cardiovascular concerns, dizziness mm-hmm. and lack of concentration and fainting. Um, and we took care of that, but it turned out to not be the biggest problem. But we very randomly in the full body, I found prostate cancer. Oh, wow. And, so, and the very serious, you know, that there was a pretty progressed form of prostate cancer, but he had, oh. he had a low uh-huh. PSA, right? So, I mean, the actual standard screening test for prostate cancer was uh-huh. like, uh, and we just saw it. Like, once you do that, you see it. And like, wow, that's bad. And then the liquid biopsy delivered some more genomic insight that could, you know, no one knows what would have happened if he wouldn't have detected it, but it's not good. Yeah. It was clearly on yeah. its way being a big problem. And so we have many cases like that where, and once you do your full body MRI the first time and also see your genomic, you know, variant detection in the blood, mm-hmm. the level of precision and data is just completely new. It's like, looks like out of this world to a conventional doctor. Uh-huh. 
And um, I mean, I do it every year, obviously. And I mean, for myself, I also found things that yeah. I didn't expect, right? I had like beginnings of a fatty liver, for example, and I'm pretty healthy. Ah, okay. I don't know if that was COVID related or something, who knows, but uh, yeah. 16% enlarged liver, all kinds of problems. Wow. And I'm, well, I wasn't in good shape in my opinion, but these were all findings. I mean, I wouldn't have had symptoms for another 10 years or something on that. And, but once you have symptoms, it's super bad. You're on your way to cirrhosis, you know, that can get liver cancer. You have metabolic syndrome, all kinds of problems can come out of that. So Mm. you just want to see that if I would tell someone like, oh, did you know you have a 16% enlarged liver with fat deposits? And they would, they thought they're totally healthy. That's like a shocking thing. Yeah. And then, of course, you yeah. have to talk to physicians. One physician is like, yeah, this is overdiagnosis. There were no symptoms. The patient's totally fine. It's like, well, it's called chronic disease. They're not fine. And the other type of physician says, yeah, this is exactly what I want to see. I want to see these things so early, 10 years before their symptoms. So yeah. can, I'm, I have to do my follow-up while I will do a scan in December, like an updated scan, and then it will uh-huh. be and then I will see what happened. But I, I'm doing pretty severe interventions, fasting, all kinds of stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, once you go through it, it's just, it, it will strike strike you as absurd to not do it, right? It's basically, do you want to see everything and know what's going on or not? Yeah, that that's the that's the old what if. Exactly. Problem, right? Because there will be a lot of people who will go through it and everything's fine. And they'll go, see, I, you know, I didn't need to do that, uh, right? And it's like, no, you don't understand. You needed to do that just so you could see that it was all fine and you can continue with your life and also it's and like, come back next year. The interesting <laughs> thing is there's never a patient, or maybe if you would do more 25 year olds or something, but there's never a patient that goes through it where nothing is found. And ah, because the good point. at this point is so high that you see more things. And if you're yeah. Or for even 40 or older, the uh-huh. odds that you don't have anything is not very high. Like, you know, even if you're totally non existent, yeah. Then you have arthritis in the spine that you didn't know. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. we see everything, not everything, of course, but we see a lot. And, yeah. you know, you want to know all these things the earlier, the better. For example, I also know, like, I, I have a small kidney lesion, and the radiologist says, like, this is just nothing, but well, it's something. So, for me, it's, you know, it's an interesting, for me, these uh, yeah. findings inside a little bit. I have from a little beginning of problems in the liver, but there's also a small kidney lesion. These things can be related. If it's fat deposits, it means you have too much fat in one of the organs. And so I take this very seriously. And I, you know, I definitely lost weight since then. And I would pro- prognosticate that probably both are getting better, like next scan. Let's see. But so mm-hmm. all these things are correlated, and but it's a new thinking in medicine, right? You need to be a precision medicine specialist, not a conventional doctor, because a conventional doctor is trained on what I always call, you know, it's kind of they're like war doctors, civil war doctors. You come in, okay, no gunshot wound to the to the tummy, your legs are there, no problem. Well, that's a little low resolution for me. I mean, sure, if you have these patients and they they need your attention first, I get it. But it's all about trauma like physical hardcore trauma and infections, that was what medicine was built for. So if you come in and say like, oh, my A1C is like 5.8, like my glycated hemoglobin. So I have a blood sugar problem. I'm slightly pre-diabetic. Most doctors still discount that. They say like, whatever. Like, you know how many people have diabetes? You don't even have diabetes. That's the wrong approach. You have to say, well, that's a giant orange flag and you need to reverse that immediately because you're Mm -hmm. pre-diabetic. 
that's not good. Yeah. And same if you have like enlarged liver, if you have, you know, something in the prostate, if you have the same with mammograms, for example, right. you, want, you want to get MRIs. I like don't, I, I don't do mammograms. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, mammograms have enormous amounts of false positives and then you know, no one knows. Yeah. So for that kind of, for that level of pain, no way. Been exactly. there, done that. Ain't not doing it again. <laughs> And and you can like uh, when you look at the data, MRIs are kind of recognized to be better than mammograms, and yes, yes. Do and they're pain for you just lie there for an hour if you do the entire body or for rest is like fifteen minutes, but they're not being paid for because they're more expensive. So there's there you have an example. Like they are clearly full on better than mammograms. Yes, and yes. They are not being paid for because they're more expensive. So. Again, yeah. if you do full body MRI, you get that included automatically, but you also see all other, other organs. Does that make total sense? Of course. Yeah. But good luck explaining this to the people who don't even want to pay for a breast MRI. Yeah. But, you know, and mammograms have been shown to not be good for your breast. I mean, okay? you know, right smashing now... them down between pieces, two pieces of metal is not good for your, for your breasts. So, you know, I mean, yeah. Don't even get me started. I have this argument every year with my doctor. No, not doing that one. You know, you want me to go get the ultrasound? I'm there. Not a problem. But I'm not doing one of those again. Ever. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's also why you need kind of a more holistic partner to go through this than just your doctor. That's right. Your insurance company. You know, yeah. I'm very health obsessed, obviously. And for me, it was always, I always wanted a partner like Serenity for myself, where I say, yeah, I don't want to have these discussions with doctors or insurance companies to tell me what to do. I, I can decide what needs to be done. I want someone to explain to me the details and no one can do that. They don't know the details. I want someone yeah. to tell me, well, if I have invasive diagnostics procedures with downsides, for example, mammograms or CT scans, radiation, things like that, mm -hmm. are they alternative? Yeah. And if there's an alternative that costs 20 bucks more and therefore is not paid for by the insurance, I want to know that because maybe I pay 20 bucks more. Right? Yeah, so exactly. Everyone knows that the, that's why we invented the system to say we only want non-invasive, clearly not damaging diagnostics, which is uh -huh. blood tests and MRIs because MRIs are radiation-free. So there is mm -hmm. no problem. They're also pain-free because you just lie in a little tunnel. Right. And they are much, much better. The only downside is they cost more money. But when you actually add up the dollars, it's not even crazy, right? So yeah. to yeah. explain this to people and say, well, it's for the insurance is more expensive because I pay for a million patients. So if you pay a thousand bucks more, it's a billion dollars more. I get it. But for you, that's not your problem. Your problem is like, I want to be healthy. I want to know mm -hmm. everything with the least damage mm -hmm. to my body. Mm -hmm. There is no downside to it if you also provide me with insight what that all means. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I totally, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and that's, it's great. I love it. I'm very excited. Yeah. Very good. You're of course also invited to, to follow us and check out the website. We will have a new website yeah. probably coming up in two weeks. So probably when the podcast, ah. so that will be much easier to understand. I think the grammar is also not bad, but uh -huh. um, we're making steady progress. And you probably hear about us soon also with more media and let's see we have a very clear vision we know that universal annual precision screenings could save up to 600,000 american lives every single year it's wow. very hard to contest this number for anyone i'm happy to have 
any de de debate with any population health expert on this. Mm -hmm. and the main argument against is mostly money. Um, and we believe we already got that price under $5,000 a year. And at mm -hmm. scale, we could bring this down under $1,000 a year, under 99 Which would be huge, yeah. That is an absolute point of disruption because 600,000 lives per year, that's 1.5 World War IIs on the American side. So every mm -hmm. single year. And in 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 nine elevens you can't even like like do the math and it's like two how many oh two yeah so yeah well just the, just the number of people who die from cancer every year in the U S six hundred thousand yeah seems to be the same number but it's we come to it from <clears throat> a direction we take a share of each of these diseases yeah. Yeah, six hundred thousand a year, and the six hundred thousand lives saved. I'm talking about people between thirty-five and seventy-five. Not even getting into the older population. That mm. would be a different uh, added on top of that. But I'm yeah. talking about yeah. thirty-five to seventy-five, with roughly one point two million deaths per year, and you wow. could cut that this down by fifty percent because yeah. it's mostly driven by cancer. Cancer is the number one cause of death in that age group, mm -hmm. uh, then followed by heart disease. Mm -hmm. um, and then followed by a bunch of others. And you can make tremendous inroads, kidney disease, liver disease, diabetes, they are all nearly completely preventable if you do it right. Cancer mm. would reduce cancer deaths by 80% if you have universal yeah. protection, which we basically have today. Um, that doesn't mean you detect every single cancer, but you take a very big share of cancers, especially if you do it annually. There's all this math that we know that what's called the dwell rate of early stage cancers, probably three mm. years before it becomes late stage. You have this thing for three years where no one sees it. So that is your yeah. opportunity to detect it. Um, okay. And heart disease is even easier. Like we know, you know, you should detect sclerosis mm. and other problems, mm -hmm. calcification much earlier than we do because we don't even look yeah. technically. So we just yeah. look lipids which is fine but you should look at calcification which you see in the mri so mm -hmm. diabetes i mean that's super easy you just do a1c's which also no one does on the regular basis which is also absurd right if let's say you need to be overweight and have other conditions this test costs 13 dollars you can afford 13 dollars a year to not to detect pre-diabetes in more people yeah yeah so all of these things but this is what i mean in the end it's medical intelligence to know all these things to put it together mm -hmm. and and call it serenity that's why we call it serenity because it's so threatening and disturbing and complicated that it's the opposite of serenity right now so what we want to say yeah. is that there's a button you can buy it and you get peace of mind that you do everything yeah. you can to knock this risk down so that's, our, that's our bigger vision you know in terms of mm -hmm. numbers, but the bigger vision in terms of experience that's the future of medicine it's right. serenity. you know someone's watching over you and mm -hmm. It's also changing continuously, like with all kinds of new technologies coming out all the time. Yes. Someone just yes. needs, you need a partner who has that under control, yeah. who says, yeah. Susan, we got you covered. Yeah. And then you can rely on them that they actually have you covered. So that's very important. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and the other thing that kind of came to mind for me as well is when you were talking about that is that, you know, people who are 35 or 40, right, think, oh, I'm only 35 or 40. It doesn't. You know, I don't get cancer. I don't do, you know, and they're the ones who, if they do get it, it goes a lot faster because their bodies are so much younger and so I mean, much better what, at, at getting it through, the, through your whole body, right? Exactly. You're totally right. It's like Google colon cancer and trends and younger people. I mean, they're 29 year olds with colon cancer and that is super dangerous. And 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, once you hit 40, everything becomes exponentially more risky or likely to happen. But we see a lot of disturbing trends in cancer towards younger people, even in their 20s. So, yeah. And that's why even center of care has certain screenings in your 20s, like pap smears and things like that. So, uh-huh. yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, after 40 is where it becomes really interesting. But, um, yeah, if you, there is no reason to not do it in your 30s. I think it's just a question of preferences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I mean, I just know, you know, just even from my own experience, right? I mean, who thought, I never thought I'd have any pro- kind of problems at that point. Oh, so, which I didn't knock on one, luckily, but I know people who have, who did, you know, I know people who passed on because they didn't go in at the appropriate time, even to get it looked at. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is definitely giving me peace of mind when I do this, both on the genomics cancer detection side, when you see your mutations in the blood, how bad mm. like, mm. and then the imaging is just, you know, you can be basically guaranteed you have no major tumor in the in the body if it comes back negative. That's good to know. And then you see all these other little findings. As so, for example, I have a little more arthritis than I should have in the lumbar spine. Much more, actually. So that they, they was bad. I knew I had back pain, but once you see it, it's like, oh, yeah, there's more deterioration than I should have for my age. And that informs my behavior because now, okay, let's be a little more yeah. cautious. Do a little more physiotherapy or workouts or exercises for the spine, which can never hurt, but you don't have mm-hmm. the body, you don't have concrete data on it. So it's not always cancer. It's it's also no. like, look, there's a little enlarged liver. There's a arthritis right. there on the spine. There are little lesions here and there, nothing too concerning. But then, was, you know, they still think, well, it's still a little lesion. So maybe let's see what I can watch do. Watch him. We'll yeah. watch him. Yeah. 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 Well... I think I should probably let, we should probably wrap this up and I'll let you get back to whatever you were doing. <laughs> yes, it was, it was a pleasure, a really enjoyable yeah. conversation. Yeah, I appreciate but, you coming on. Yeah, yeah. I will definitely go go look at your website and, and uh, look at the opportunities. Yes, yeah. thank you so much. It was a great uh, chat. And, uh, yes, thank you. So let me do my usual here, which is that neither of us are doctors. This is not to be seen as medical advice. And I will see everybody else next week. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.